Parents, welcome to another episode of The Journey, a podcast intended to educate, equip, and entertain you as we talk about important issues facing our families. PCA is a Christ-centered, biblically-based, and family-focused community of committed believers doing life together. We hope the information you hear on this podcast informs and inspires you to be a better parent. Welcome to The Journey. Hey parents, welcome back. This is Dan Panetti. I've got Dr. William Blaine Craig. Dr. Craig, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. Yes, we're excited. Um, you're going to be here at our Biblical Worldview Conference in April, uh, and uh, super excited for you to be a part of this. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you just a little bit, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned before when we were talking, um, you know, a lot of us have uh, have watched you over the years. Um, you're, you know, kind of the nation's preeminent apologist, um, but I've really never actually had an opportunity to kind of, you know, have that uh, conversation with you kind of like around a table and just say, Hey, uh, what's your faith journey? How did, how did you become a Christian? Uh, and I thought, you know, this would be kind of a fun place to start. And then I wanted to know, how did you get into apologetics, right? Out of all the different things that you could have done, what's, you know, how, how did God steer you in that uh, direction? So I, I thought maybe our parents would be interested to know those same, sa same things. So just give us a little journey into the life of Dr. William Lane Craig. Very good. I was not raised in an evangelical Christian home. My mm -hmm. family was a best nominal Christian and never went to church except maybe on at Christmas time. But when I became a teenager, I began to ask what I call the big questions in life. Who am I? Why mm -hmm. am I here? Where am I going? And in the search for answers, I began to attend all on my own a large church in our local community. Okay. The only problem wasn't instead of answers, what I found was a sort of social country club where the dollar a week in the offering plate and the other high school students who pretended to be such good Christians on Sunday lived for their real God the rest of the week, which was popularity. Yeah. And they would do anything in order to serve that God. And this really bothered me because I thought, here I feel so spiritually empty inside, and yet externally, at least, I'm leading a better life than they are, and they <laughs> claim to be Christians. Yeah. They're all just a pack of hypocrites. And so I began to become very angry with the institutional church for the phoniness and the hypocrisy that I saw there. And soon this attitude spread toward other people. Everybody, I thought, is a hypocrite and a yep. phony. They're all holding up plastic masks to the world, and the real person is cowering down inside, afraid to come out and be real. And so I began to withdraw from people. Honestly, I was on my way toward becoming a very alienated young man. I thought, I don't need people. I hate them. I want nothing to do with them. And I threw myself into my studies. And yet, in moments of honesty and introspection, when I looked into my own heart, I knew that deep down, I really did want to love and to be loved yeah. by others. And I realized in that moment that I was just as much a phony as they were. 
because here I was pretending to not need people and to be this brave, independent person when deep down inside, I really did want to love and to be loved. And so that anger turned in upon myself for my own hypocrisy and phoniness. Mm. And I don't know if you understand what this is like, but this kind of inner anger just eats away at your insides day after day after day, making every day miserable, another day to get through. Mm. And I remember one day I was feeling particularly crummy and I walked into my high school German class and I sat down behind this girl who's one of these types, you know, that was always so happy. It just made you sick. <laughs> and I tapped her on the shoulder and she turned around and I said to her, Sandy, what are you always so happy about anyway? Yeah. And she said, well, Bill, it's because I'm saved. And I said, you're what? And she said, I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. Yeah. And I said, well, uh, I go to church. And she said, that's not enough, Bill. You've got to have him really living in your heart. And I said, well, what would he want to do a thing like that for? And she <laughs> said, because he loves you, Bill. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Here I was so filled with anger and hatred inside. And she said that there was someone who really loved me. And who was it but the God of the universe? And that thought just staggered me to think that the God of the universe could love me, Bill Craig, that worm down there on that speck of dust called planet <laughs> Earth. I just couldn't take it in. Yeah. Well, I went home that night and I found a New Testament that had been given to me in the fifth grade when the Gideons visited our grade school. Oh, my goodness. First time I opened it and began to read. Mm. And as I did so, I was absolutely captivated by the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm. There was a wisdom about this man's teaching that I'd never encountered before. And especially, there was an authenticity about his life that wasn't characteristic of those people who claimed to be his followers in that local church Perfect. I was attending. And I realized in that moment, I couldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And that began for me then a period of the most intense soul searching that I have ever gone through in my entire life. For six months, I sought God. And to make a long story short, at the end of that time, I just came to the end of my rope. And one night, about eight o'clock in the evening, I just cried out to God. And I cried out all of the anger and the hatred that had been building up inside of me. And as I did so, I felt this tremendous infusion of joy, like a balloon being blown up and blown up until it was ready to burst. And I remember I rushed outside. It was a warm Midwestern summer evening. And as I looked up at the sky, I could see the Milky Way from horizon to horizon. And as I looked at the stars, I thought, God, I've come to know God. And that moment changed my whole life. That's beautiful. I, I had thought enough about this during those six months to realize that if 
Bill Craig ever became a Christian, I could do nothing less than spend my entire life spreading this message among mankind. Because mm -hmm. if this is the truth, if it's really the truth, then this is the greatest news ever announced. And so for me, my call to vocational Christian service or ministry was simultaneous with my conversion. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You know, I think of um, Josh McDowell is another famous Christian apologist. He has a similar story that happened to him when he was in college, um, yeah. met a group of those happy Christians and was just like, what, why are you always so happy? And they're like, because we know Jesus. <laughs> and so he, he set off in a sense to disprove Christianity and ended up finding out, right, that, uh, you know, the truth of the gospel. Um, yeah. So, I mean, just what, a, what an amazing story for a young man in high school uh, to wrestle with the big issues of life and, and to come face to face with the God of the universe and say, Hey, he loves me. Right. Which is, which is such, right. There, there's the gospel summed up, uh, you know, if you can put it in, you know, in a nutshell, right. God loves you and has a, has a plan for, you know, Bill Craig, Dan Panetti, and uh, anybody else um, who would bend the knee and say, Hey, I'm willing to follow your plan and not my own. So what, what a, what a, what a great story. Um, from there, you obviously went on uh, to devote um, kind of your life and your studies. Uh, give me just a snippet into into that journey. Um, you know, you've you've got uh, I think several different doctorates. What what was the journey like as you begin to kind of uh, give your life and your mind over to the study? Um, you know, of things to defend the gospel. What did that look like? What what was that path in the early years? I became a Christian my junior year in high school, and so within two years I was graduating. And I didn't know where to go after that. And so I asked Sandy, uh, where do you think I should have played? <laughs> Back to Sandy. <laughs> yes. Oh, she was so influential. And she said, my brother Paul attends Wheaton College. Okay. Why don't you attend there? And so I applied to Wheaton. I was accepted. And I spent four of the most wonderful years of my life at Wheaton as a young a babe in Christ, just two years old in the Lord. Yeah. It was like heaven on earth That's to awesome. be at Wheaton. The priceless gift that Wheaton gave to me was the integration of my faith and my education. I learned that as a Christian, uh, I could have a Christian perspective on literature, on the sciences, on the arts, on philosophy, and so mm. forth. And that I didn't need to stick my brains in one pocket and my faith in the other pocket and never let them see the light of day at the same time. Amen. Yes. And so it was at Wheaton that I formed this vision of sharing the gospel in the context of giving an intellectual defense <laughs> of the Christian faith. And so in order to have the credibility uh, to do that, I went on to pursue master's degrees in philosophy and church history and then doctoral degrees in philosophy and in uh, systematic theology in England and Germany. Wow. That's, that sounds um, actually fun. <laughs> I mean, just, just to be able to, to study some of the great um, literature and great theology to wrestle yeah, with the is. ideas. It is fun, but mm. I have to tell you, it can be very hard work. Uh, that German doctorate, was the most difficult thing that I have undertaken in my entire life. It was really rigorous. Did you have to learn the language to do it? Oh, of course. I, I not ah. only do it in German, but I had to pass a Latin 
qualifying exam for my doctorate in theology, and I didn't have Latin, so I had to take Latin in German while I was at the University of Munich. Oh, my goodness. That is a ton of work. Uh, well, But I'm glad you did it uh, because uh, over the years you have done uh, just a remarkable job. You know, all of us have watched, you know, videos. Some of us have gotten to see you in person uh, as you've debated some of the, you know, the world's leading atheists or, or agnostics or just individuals who had questions and thoughts and different ideas. And you have been able to defend um, apologetics, right? Defend uh, the truth of the gospel so well uh, for so many years. And so we're really excited about you being here at our Biblical Worldview Conference in just a couple of weeks. Give me a little snippet. I don't want to give everything away, but what is it that you're going to be sharing? You're going to be here for the Tuesday session um, with our students. What is it that you're going to be sharing with our students that our parents uh, can have a little insight into? Given that the theme of the conference is the person of Christ, mm -hmm. I thought that I would tackle one of the most difficult questions uh, about the person of Christ, and that is, how can Jesus be simultaneously both God and man? There you go. Uh, if anything <laughs> appears to be a contradiction, uh, that's it. How yeah. can one person be at the same time omnipotent, omniscient, necessary, eternal, and yet, on the other hand, confined to space and time, limited in strength, limited mm -hmm. in knowledge, and die. Um, and so that's the, the difficult question I'm going to tackle, and I'm going to offer a model for the Incarnation um, to show that these are logically consistent doctrines. Well, you know who will appreciate that is Jesus's brothers who grew up with him, because I know that they struggled with the idea that their brother could be the Messiah and could be God, right? And it wasn't until after his resurrection that you begin to see, you know, yes. uh, the brothers of Jesus say, hey, he really is. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a funny, you know, kind of thing. Imagine if your brother <laughs> were the yeah. Messiah, you would be the last convert as well. Uh, so I'm glad you're wrestling with that, you know, that that concept. And I think that's going to be a great uh, experience for our students. And hopefully some of our parents will be able to come uh, and listen to the conference and listen to you as well. So we're we're excited that you'll be here. We're thrilled. Um, is there anything uh, in terms of uh, recommended reading that you're doing right now that you might want to throw to our parents? Just something that you might think would be well, interesting? If you were interested in the subject okay. that I'm talking about, in the book, Philosophical Foundations for a Christian Worldview, mm -hmm. that I co-authored with J.P. Moreland, mm -hmm. I have a chapter on the Incarnation. Excellent. That would give you a preview of what I'll be talking about. So that's Philosophical Foundations for a Christian Worldview. I'll put a link in the show notes. So that's awesome. Well, Dr. Craig, we're just excited. Thank you for just a few minutes of your time. Um, you know, I know you've got lots to do, but we're excited that you'll be here in Dallas um, at Prestonwood for the conference. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of other great speakers, um, but yes. uh, uh, just it's going to be a wonderful conference. Our parents and our students, well, uh, every year that we've done this, it's, it just keeps on getting better and better and better. So thank you for uh, agreeing to be here this year. And we're really excited about the time. So thanks for your time today. You Certainly. Bet. I'm looking forward oh. to the conference. All right. Hey, parents, I've got another uh, fantastic speaker coming up at our Biblical Worldview Conference, and that is Lee Strobel. Lee, welcome to our parent podcast. Well, thanks, Dan. Great to be with you. Great to speak to the great parents of Preston Wood. Yes. Awesome ministry that is. I've spoken at uh, Preston Wood Church uh, a few times in the past, and um, of course, I'm friends with Jeremiah Johnston, who's heading up the apologetics uh, wing of that. And 
Um, so, and, and of course, highly respect Jack and his leadership. So it's great to be with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you back in our community, uh, this time uh, speaking specifically to the students, but then there'll be a bunch of parents and, and adults that'll be at the conference as well. Um, but I love that our students are going to get to hear from you. Uh, I think um, that's one of my favorite things about what you do is that apologetics aspect, right, where you're you're yeah. asking tough questions, you're wrestling with them. Uh, and I know that students in a Christian school, sometimes um, you feel like, you know, we're trying to insulate and isolate them mm-hmm. from the tough questions. But the reality is, is no, this is where we get to prepare them. This is yeah. where we get to wrestle with these things. And so that's what uh, the conference has always been about. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad to see that you're going to be here and participate in it uh, and be a part of it. So you're, you're yeah. a great person for our community to get to know, which is what I want to start with. I, I want our community to get to know you a little bit better. And so um, can you just tell our parents just your faith journey? How did how did you actually become a Christian? What did that look like in your life? Yeah, I was an atheist uh, much of my life. Uh, my background's in journalism and law. I uh, went to Missouri, uh, University of Missouri, studied journalism and uh, Yale Law School to get a master's of studies in law degree and was legal editor of the Chicago Tribune newspaper. So I was a passionate journalist. Uh, I had printer's ink in my blood. That was mm. my That was my God, so to speak. And um, uh, decided at a rather young age, in fact, the age that many of the students are currently at, at Prestonwood, your academy and so forth, is when I started my slide into atheism, going to public schools and having nobody really to talk to these things about. Hmm. And um, um, married a woman who was agnostic, kind of spiritually confused. And um, then one day she met a Christian nurse who was a neighbor, became a great friend, took her to church, answered her questions. And my wife came to me and gave me the uh, startling news that she had become a Christian, which (laughs) freaked me out. And uh, I was going to walk out, honestly. Um, But I thought if I could use my journalism training and legal training and disprove the resurrection of Jesus, then I could rescue her from this cult that she's gotten involved in. That's right. Let, so, let me uh, let me help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and but even as an atheist, I recognize how essential the resurrection is. Yeah. And uh, so I did that. It took me about two years to investigate not only the resurrection but other aspects of faith. And um, until November the eighth of nineteen eighty one, when I sort of sat down and to reach my verdict in the case for Christ, and and came to the conclusion that in light of the avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully toward the truth of Christianity. It would take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. Yeah, and uh, that's when I realized that God is real; that Jesus is His unique Son. I repented of my sin, received forgiveness through Christ, and uh, my life began to change, take a whole different direction, whole different yeah. emphasis. My worldview, my philosophy, my attitudes, my relationships, uh, everything began to change over time for the good. Uh, ultimately, um, took a 60% pay cut to uh, leave journalism and uh, join the staff of a local church so I could spend the best hours of my day uh, telling people about Jesus. And um, God has opened up all kinds of adventures ever since then <laughs> that That's have amazing. really been a great uh, source of joy. Yeah. Now you share that obviously in the book, The Case for Christ, yes. um, which which has been, uh, I, I don't know, you know, redone, uh, written in, you know, Case for Christ for Kids. Um, yeah. You know, and and has spawned off a number of other things, uh, other other books, um, you know, that you've written. Um, when, when did you actually release the case for Christ? It actually came out in 1998, so okay. I guess it'd be 25 years ago. 
25 years ago. Yeah. And, and and how, I mean, I, it, it still must be, you know, selling well, because I mean, I hear about it on so many different things. It's amazing. It's all over the world. Uh, it's more than 5 million copies have been sold around the world. And um, I, I get I get emails, I'd say 10 a week from people who say they came to Christ because of uh, reading the book and seeing the evidence for the Christian faith and um, um, coming to a, a decision point in terms yeah. of whether they want to receive Christ. And uh, you know, we made a movie of that uh, book in 2017 that was in movie theaters all over the world yep. and um, reached a lot of people as well. I know they showed the movie in a little movie theater in New Zealand and 22 people came to faith that night. <laughs> um, so I'm an evangelist at heart. I want to see people who I love uh, it. their lives changed like mine's been changed. And so that just warms my heart to hear how God's been using uh, these books and movies. Yeah. Well, I love how he used um, and how you allowed him to use, right, the the skill set that you had um, mm -hmm. as that legal journalist, um, you know, and as you were wrestling with, um, you know, the, the truths of Christianity, the truths of the resurrection, um, yeah. how God uses that. Because here's the thing, God's not afraid of our questions. Um, yes. God, God's not afraid of us, you know, digging up things. Uh, there, there isn't anything, you know, in scripture or in Christianity um, that we have to hide, you know, anybody yeah. we have to push in the, in the back corner uh, and say, oh, don't, don't look too closely at this, you know, particular, um, <laughs> you know, evidence or, or this particular truth. Um, and, you know, they say, you know, over in the Middle East, the same thing in Israel, right? Basically, you turn over a stone somewhere in Israel, and more of the Bible and the history yeah. of the Bible, you know, is verified, yeah. uh, as opposed to, you know, in question. And so, you know, archaeologists and, are proving and, Christianity day in and day out. Yeah. And what, one of the phenomena that we're seeing in our culture is that our children and our grandchildren are being challenged in their faith in a way that other generations had not been. True. Uh, which is why I'm so impressed by what Prestonwood is doing by equipping kids to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe it. Yeah. Uh, there was a I, I interacted with a guy online and he said his granddaughter, who was six years old, who was going to a public school, was mm -hmm. on the playground at recess. And the other kids were taunting her and making fun of her because she believes in God. Yeah. Oh, you believe in fairy tales. You believe in make-believe. And, you know, our kids and our grandkids are going to be challenged because we live in an increasingly skeptical world. And yeah. so to be prepared, to be ready, as First Peter 3.15 tells all Christians to be, uh, to respond to tough questions about the faith, not only uh, does that strengthen our own faith, but it equips us to lead other people into a relationship with Christ as well. Yeah, so good. And it's it's interesting because there's such a... Uh, an influence of spirituality that it's okay with people uh, yeah. to believe in, um, you know, chants or crystals or right. things like that. But if you believe in a, a true God of the universe who created the heavens, right, and, and earth, and if you believe in Jesus Christ as his son, right, who lived a perfect life, you know, um, walked here on earth, right, died, buried, resurrected, that's different. Yes, <laughs> that that puts you in a whole different category. But the reality yeah. is, is people believe in you know things all the time that have very little evidence. Yes, as, as you said, Christianity has so much evidence that if yeah. they would just explore the evidence, imagine where they would end up with. So yeah. uh, fascinating. Um, what is it that you're going to be sharing um, with our students when you're at the Biblical Worldview Conference? Well, I'm going to, I think I'm kicking off the conferences. Uh, I, I believe. Are you at the Sunday night? Okay. I, I'm, I'm there on Sunday night, but I'm also it. kicking it off on Monday morning. Awesome. And um, I'm going to talk on my new book, which is called, um, uh, Is God Real? 
And the reason I wrote that book is because um, I found out that 200 times a second around the clock, someone on planet Earth is typing into a computer search engine. Basically, the question, is God real? 200 times um, a second. 200 times a second. They're typing oh, in a question goodness. about God. And often it's, is God real? And I thought, you know, why not address that in yeah. a book that will deepen the faith of Christians, but a book they can give away to a spiritually curious friend or neighbor or colleague or son or grandson or whatever yeah. um, to help them understand why we believe what we believe. So it's a book that uh, looks into science, history, philosophy in a very accessible way and builds the case for God being real, looks at the evidence for the resurrection and why we can believe that Jesus not only claimed to be the son of God, but backed up that claim by returning from the dead. Mm. And then I deal with the two biggest objections to Christianity. Uh, the first one is, if God is real, why is there suffering in the world? Amen. And secondly, if God is real, why does he seem so hidden? And uh, so I deal with those as well. So I'm excited about the book comes out in October, uh, but I'm going to be speaking about it at the conference at Prestonwood. Oh, man. Lee, we are super excited about the book um, and about you being at the conference and just about the work that God has for you to do. Um, you communicate in such a winsome and persuasive way. God's given oh, you a you. real unique ability uh, to be able to write so well. Um, and so just an incredible opportunity. If people haven't read your books before, they need to pick them up uh, and read them. And they're awesome things. They're awesome tools to be able to give to somebody, as you said, who's questioning. That person who's typing in, is God real? Um, I know that your book, I haven't read it yet, but I know that your book is a, is a great thing that somebody could give to a friend um, because you're going to present evidence in a way that doesn't make people feel stupid, um, but mm. really gets to the heart of, hey, if you're questioning, right, I want to answer these questions. Yeah. And, 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 and to imagine that 200 people a second are asking it is, is amazing. Yeah. And I'm also going to be doing a workshop uh, at the uh, event, uh, and it's called The Case for the Gospels. And I'm going to look at five major objections to the reliability of the Gospels that have been propagated by scholars in recent years and, mm -hmm. and show that, no, indeed, we can trust what the Gospels tell us about Jesus's life, teachings, miracles, death, and resurrection. Yep. In fact, one of the steps into atheism for me was when I was a freshman at the University of Missouri, I took a course called The Historical Jesus that was taught by a skeptic. And he convinced me, I didn't know any better, that you can't trust what the Gospels tell you about Jesus. Yep. Uh, well, that's that's old thinking. And the the current evidence of, of scholarship points toward the reliability of the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I'll be yep. doing a workshop as well, looking at those objections and why we can trust the Gospels. Yeah. And I'll hear people say um, several times about the Gospels, it's, you know, that there's contradictions in the Gospels, you know, different people yeah. see different things. And I think Jay Warner Wallace, was so great in, in you know realizing that contradictions uh when people see different things when you know 10 people see an accident and you go ask the 10 people what they saw they yeah. don't all have the same story which is That's actually right, right uh, you know a verification that you know what they saw is their evidence for it right if, if right. you and i wanted to collude and come up with a story that we're lying about we would probably say the same thing right hey Lee, right. let's make sure let's, let's make sure we get our story straight exactly we'd say the same thing and so really it's it's interesting how some people right misuse that concept and you know, get a professor up there saying it and a person's never heard it for the first time and like look at all these contradictions and you're like Hey, here's the deal. The contradictions that you see really aren't contradictions between the principles. They're just different people's yes. perspectives on things. And that actually goes to the veracity of scripture, right? Not to it being not true. So I'm I'm right, glad yeah. you're doing that workshop. That's that's going to be exciting for the students to get to go to that as well. 
Yeah. And, and when you look at the, um, um, the standards that were used, how history was reported in those times, mm-hmm. and you look at the techniques that were used at the time, um, and virtually every one of these uh, alleged contradictions disappears. Yeah. Um, awesome. So we'll, we'll that, be talking about that. That'll be a lot of fun as well. I'm really looking forward to being there. It, it's uh, I, I love the um, uh, the a, the attitude that you've expressed and the school embraces to say, let's not be afraid. I need to be afraid of questions. Uh, let's pursue answers. And when we pursue right. answers, we find guess what? There are good answers to satisfy our heart and souls. Yep. Yep. That's the amazing thing is truth is not just a concept. It's a person, Jesus Christ. And we we yeah. pursue that. Uh, so bring bring the questions on if you've got them. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. We look forward to having you here in September. We're excited about it, uh, and we're excited about the book release. So that'll be a great thing that uh, our parents will be able to get as well. So Lee, thanks for your time. Thanks for um, just the work that you're doing, and uh, really Thank appreciate you. it. Look forward to having you here in just a, in just a few weeks. Well, I can't wait to be there. My wife Leslie will be with me. She travels whenever I go out on the road. We just had our fifty first fifty first wedding anniversary, so um, we're we're still on that great adventure as well. So, That's awesome. Really looking forward to being with you. Thanks so much, Dan, for having you, me. You bet. Thanks, Lee. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of the Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.